A quick note for our listeners, uh, you'll be hearing the voice of a sign language interpreter speaking for Superintendent of Maryland School for the Deaf, James Tucker. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome into this episode of Frederick Uncut. Uh, I am sitting here with Hannah Dellinger. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. That's good. That's good. Also with uh, James Tucker, the superintendent of Maryland School for the Deaf. Uh, how are you today? Great. That's Thank good. You. Last week of school. I know that Frederick County Public Schools closed uh, on Friday, but we, we're closing this Friday. Uh, seems like the kids are running on fumes, <laughs> but we're doing fine. We're doing good. Let's go. Why do you, uh, you guys have an extra week? Why, why, why don't you, uh, why aren't you allowed to? We have two weeks during the uh, holidays, one full week during spring break. So uh, in the end, I, I tell my students that Frederick County Public Schools and us, we are 180 days. Everybody has to get 180 days, same number of days. When do you start back up? After Labor Day. After Labor Day. Okay. Uh, so we always we start these podcasts with trying to get to know you a little better. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you initially where you are from. Are you originally from Maryland? No, I was born in uh, Massachusetts. Went to school at the Deaf School in Vermont. Went to Gallaudet University. Washington DC. I've lived in California for a short time then uh, came back to Maryland. I've been here since 1985 in, a, in the middle in the Middletown area. I, I've lived there since 1992. What brought you back to Maryland? Well um, another job I had a job at Gallaudet uh, as an English professor I was a director of admissions at Gallaudet, and then uh, I got the job here as the superintendent. I've been working since here since '92. Is this the best place you've lived? Did you like California better, per se? Well, Frederick is wonderful. You know, <laughs> raise, I raised my family. Yeah, my two kids grew up here now. One's 26, one's 24. My boy went to uh, Middletown High School. My daughter graduated from MSD. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, uh, was there ever a point in in time where you said, "I'm not, I'm not going to stick around here. I want to go back out. I want to live somewhere else." Any as soon as you got back here, you knew you were going to stay. I think I'm going to stay here for a long time. That this is a lot of deaf folks live here. Town is so so friendly, so uh, sign language friendly. I mean to say, yeah. Now you, uh, you, from what I understand, were part of some protests, or at least Hannah tells me, correct? Yes, at Gallaudet <laughs> University. Now you guys, did you talk about this for, for your story recently? Um, yes, we did talk about it. Uh, we didn't have room to fit it in the story, but I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it now. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like to protest? I think it was 1988, you said? Yeah. 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 Back then, <clears throat> there was a group of people that uh, really felt that it was time for the president of the university had to be a deaf person. Gallaudet, from until then, had never had a deaf president. 
And so many qualified applicants, many qualified people. So we decided to push hard for a deaf person. But the board picked a non-deaf person who was had no background in deafness or deaf and deaf education, no sign language skills, and then the deaf community just blew up, uh, took over the campus for one week. Then the board of directors picked another person, a deaf person, first deaf president uh, at Calumet University. It was a fun time, <laughs> very empowering time. Just. Then the next few years, a lot of organizations, a lot of associations of deaf leaders, for the first time, I rode that wave. I became the first deaf superintendent at Maryland School for the Deaf in 1992. And so do you think seeing the first deaf president of the school, did that inspire and enable you to one day become a superintendent yourself? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Really, it shattered the glass ceiling for many, many deaf leaders. I, I want to, however, briefly go back to the protesting just for a second. Did did things get kind of crazy for you? What was the craziest thing you did? The week was surprising, really, because non-violence protest. It was a non-violent protest. We cooperated with security police you know, we cooperated with the university uh, leader you know. I think everyone understood our our protest after it was over after a hundred years of non-deaf president it was time it was time for a deaf president I think everyone understood that, and it was only a matter of time before the board of directors revised their decision. When when they did revise the decision, can you describe sort of the, the feeling among everybody? It was an amazing feeling, amazing feeling. We won Super Bowl. We won the Stan yeah, Stanley Cup all, all at once. It was like winning everything all at once. Um, how familiar were you with uh, the Maryland School for the Deaf uh, before you got here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at Gallaudet University, some of my best friends were from Maryland School for the Deaf. And then when I became the admissions director, I always called and I always looked for the best students. And many, many of those best students that came to Gallaudet were from Maryland School for the Deaf. And so is Maryland School for the Deaf, is it, was it then and is it still kind of known throughout the country for having excellence in education for people who are deaf? Oh yeah. MSD has been flagship school in the field of deafness for a long, long time. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the evolution of communication education at the school? Sure, yes. Almost going through a full turnaround. When MSD was established, sign language was used all the time. Then we had an international conference on deaf education in Milan, Italy. There, 
there was a, there was a recommendation or a proposal that to that supported the oral only method and suppressed the use of sign language. Many schools in this country stopped using sign language, but MSD, although MSD did teach oralism and oral classes, but the environment at the high school level and high school department in the dormitory area, signing was allowed. Then, in the 1860s, 19, I'm sorry, 1960s, there was a, a new philosophy called total communication. Started to catch fire. Maryland School for the Deaf was the first school to approve that philosophy. So, sign language came back. Now, we use the term uh, bilingual education, dual education, using English and sign language in the classroom. So, we've come full circle. Now, in the 1800s, the term for sign language was called national language. But today we call it, call it American Sign Language. It means the same thing. And why do you think over the years, um, in different eras, different people have tried to uh, hinder sign language? Many times people don't pay attention to the research. Sometimes the reaction is in a counterintuitive way. People assume that they have to speak because the world we live in talks. So well, I have to talk all the time. That's not exactly the case. Our students in, in many cases learn, the prior, learn their priority language and it then transfer to a spoken language, re reading and writing. They learn those skills later called dual language approach. So, so, so pretend you learn to swim in a pool before you can swim in the ocean. Same idea. That's the, that's the idea. Uh, you said in the, the 1960s, the Maryland School for the Deaf was the first school to, to kind of adapt uh, these, these teaching methods. Uh, do you have any sense of why or how that came to be when it like was, do you, I don't know how much of the history of the school you know, but do you, do you know if, if there, what kind of led to that? My feeling is that Maryland School for the Deaf has always had a healthy, cooperative you know, partnership sharing between deaf and hearing teachers. Maryland School for the Deaf has always had a large group of deaf teachers. I think in the past, both groups understood that the oral-only method, the oral approach, didn't work. wasn't successful. It was like an emperor without his clothes, an emperer without his robes. It just wouldn't work. But when total communication philosophy was introduced, people said, hey, this, this, this is a way to go. So sign language was brought back at the Maryland School for the Deaf. Then it caught f the country by fire, by wildfire, and it took off. Is uh, Amer the Maryland School for the Deaf now, would you consider it a leading school in, in the entire country, not just, you know, regionally? Yeah, 
I'd like to believe that, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe you should ask uh, the people on the on the street. Uh, what do you think? I'm I'm paid to say yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're the best. Well, uh, we'll ask uh, we'll ask we'll ask you. What do you think, Hannah? <laughs> you did the story. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely uh, when I interviewed uh, alumni and other people associated with the school, it seemed like people came from all over the country, even moved their whole families to Maryland just to attend the school. I'm glad you brought up alumni because I think you guys have some famous alumni, if I'm not mistaken. And I, oh yeah, oh yes, several. So I wanted to just you know touch on a few quickly. If, if you have any stories, uh, let's just say for instance, while you've been there during your tenure, who's the most famous person to come through the school? Maryland School for the Deaf really has made some outstanding alumni over a, for, for a long, long time. We've had, in the last few years, we've had several really famous alumni. One obviously, Niles DeMarco, modeling. We have another famous person, Leah, Leah, Katz Hernandez. She was a, a White House receptionist. Some of that, that famous but very successful. We've got doctors, graduated from medical school, University of Virginia. Now we have two alumni who are in law school. We have several people who have their own businesses. So a lot of famous people. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how technology, especially uh, communication technology, has leveled the playing field for people who are deaf to enter different workforces? Yeah, 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 sure. Technology, wow, has either helped the deaf community or hurt the deaf community. For example, during the 1800s, people communicated through letter writing. The playing field was level, level, it's a good thing. Then phones came into the game, wow. Many deaf, deaf people suffered at that point. They lost their jobs, they were demoted. My father, for example, was a wood pattern maker. Well, he was working, well, he worked for many years, he trained two people under him. His apprentices then were moved above him and they became the supervisors because my father couldn't use the telephone. My father was a deaf man. But when the fax machine was invented, <laughs> my father quit his job, set up his own business. Now he can communicate through different companies through a fax machine. So really technology helped the deaf now and then the fax machine was emails, texts, video phones, FaceTime, wow, really, now is a golden age for deaf community in, uh, in technology. And, um, and you, I remember you telling me that even um, years before some of these technologies took off in the hearing community, deaf people sought them out like email and fax? Yes, email for example, deaf people use maybe good five years before the hearing uh, society really picked up on it on email same with fax machines deaf people have been had been using it for a long time before people really started to use it video phones 
we've been using those a good 15 years we've been using mm -hmm. those before they became popular through all over there everywhere we're looking always looking for that visual technology that we can grab and use uh, we mentioned this before we went on air and I, I want to touch on this just quickly I read that you were an all-star basketball player um, Long time ago, <laughs> 30 years ago, 30 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of the, the activities at Maryland School for the Deaf? What, what extracurricular things are offered from you guys? We've got a wonderful after-school program. We have uh, drama, we have clubs, we have uh, all kinds of competitions. Our football team is well-known around the state. We have maybe 30 hearing high schools that uh, don't want to play against us because <laughs> we kill them. <laughs> um, we're, we're running a little short on time, so uh, we only have a couple more questions left, and I want to touch on sort of the state of the school now. I was reading an article about you uh, from 1992. It was in the Baltimore Sun. You were quoted as saying, right now, we are running on bare bones. This was uh, financially at the time. So I'm wondering, how is funding now uh, for you guys? Our funding now has improved so much, thanks to great support from Frederick County legislators. We have a bill uh, in the past, 1997, sponsored by Senator Durr and Delegate Snodgrass. That bill called for financial leveling for the school using special funds uh, uh, formula so that the bill, our school, really grew. Thanks so much to Frederick County uh, state legislators. Great. And so uh, looking to the future, what uh, kind of plans does the school have as far as the campus and um, what you might offer your students in the future? Curriculum-wise, we're, we're, on, we're on the right track. We're moving right along. Uh, we give state high school diplomas now every year. That's moving along well. For construction, we're looking at an, uh, a renovation of our career and technology uh, instructional department. We're moving forward on that. We're looking at also building three new dormitories. All, hope all of that will happen within the next, say, five years. Are there any events coming up uh, that, that you'd like to tell us about, maybe for the rest of 2018 <laughs> or this summer? This Friday. We're closed. <laughs> that's, that's what the students want to hear. We have a great alumni weekend coming here this weekend. 600 alumni members will be coming to the school. Should be a, just a very special event. I can't imagine some of the alumni just have, we haven't seen and and I haven't seen the campus since in 20 or 30 years. Our alumni, so many of them from spread all over the country. I know a few of them are coming from California. Yeah, yeah. that'll be good. That'll be fun. Uh, that's that's all we have. Unless if you have anything else, Hannah. No, no I think that's it. Sure? Thank you so much. Yeah, James Tucker. Thank you so much, Superintendent of Maryland School for the Deaf. Thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it.